Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, your number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Trees, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the rock lead to my Naruto, Colleen. <laughs> Hi. I'm a taijutsu master now. It's true. She has. She was born with no talent, but she's, <laughs> she's fought her way to co-hosting a detective canon podcast you gotta respect it all through sheer hard work if i can do it you can too believe it wait that's not my catchphrase that's yours <laughs> so we have a two-parter to cover this time it's the old blue castle investigation case we're gonna start with part one which is episode 136 of the anime the hint going into this episode was chess pieces do you learn all about the great game of chess between last week and this week's episode? <laughs> uh, not from this episode, I didn't. I guess I learned what I already knew, and that's what the knight looks like. <laughs> yeah, they really don't go much into chess pieces here. It's more just like a chess board and knowing that, like, oh, this would be A1. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, which is really probably why the remastered version changed the hint to clock or clock hands or something. Oh, okay, so... Let me just check well, that. I didn't even notice that, so there you go. Yeah. Clock. So, do you think that that was a better hint, clock, than chess pieces? I guess, but you kind of just see the clock right before it gets used, so it's not really much of a hint. No, it's just sort of fact. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, Conan says, A great adventure in an old castle. The detective boys go on a treasure hunt. We have a detective boys episode here, which is pretty exciting. Uh, because we haven't had one of these episodes where it's just them and Agasa going on a fun camping adventure in a while. So it's nice to get back to that dynamic. Yeah, so I can I can remember whether we've seen this before, but it almost feels like this is the beginning of an era of the Agasa camping kind of episodes. Because they do this so often, I found. They're like, still going camping. Like <laughs> new manga cases day. still have the detective boys in Agasa going camping. So we can this is a grand tradition that will continue for many hundreds of episodes. Oh, absolutely. And I love the fact that none of these kids' parents care. Like they're just like, Yeah, Agasa, go take our children out into the woods. I can't remember if we've covered this one yet, but there's one where they just hang out with a bear. <laughs> like <laughs> I just remember, I don't even remember much about it. I just remember Ayumi being next to a bear, and it's like, okay. Okay. It might not be the one, because I'm thinking of a bear episode two, but that one, uh, like the bear was, you know, quote unquote, scary. So um, it might be a different one. Maybe there was cubs. Maybe she get she gets friendly with cubs, and then there's a mama bear. I don't know. I have, My memory is wrecked, so who knows? I could be making all of this up. You probably aren't. I'm sure there's an episode like that. <laughs> so the episode begins with Professor Agasa and the kids arriving at a campsite, and neither Conan or Hibera are particularly ex excited to be there, but I remarks that it's alright because the kids are happy, which I thought was sweet. She just glances at them playing around, and she's like, you know, I might not want to go camping, but oh, the little brats are having fun. So we, we get to see a little softer side of Hibera here. It's also hilarious that Conan and Hybera are just so above everything else because they're, what, like 17 and 18 years old? They're not even, you know, full-grown adults or anything, but they're just, like, so above camping with kids. I get that, though. Like, I feel like there's a very specific ages you like to camp. It's, like, 1 to 12 and then, like, 40 and up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I there's, feel like there's a right. very specific specific like part of like young adulthood to like until you start having kids where you're like why the hell would i go into the woods <laughs> agasa then realizes that he forgot the tent for the trip so they have to drive back of all the things to forget how do you forget the tent couldn't he just make one out of whatever materials he had in his vehicle You'd think with, like, such a genius, but nope. Uh, Mitsuhika says that their vacation is ruined, and then they, it appears that they're lost, and they'll have to sleep in the car. Mitsuhika wonders if there's an inn nearby. Nayumi says there might even be a castle near the lake. Conan says that's ridiculous, and that's when Hybrow says, uh, maybe it's not that ridiculous, because she spots exactly that. So we see this castle come out of nowhere. Yeah. And I love uh, how Conan talks about it later, how it's like put together, like it came in pieces. I was like, what? <laughs> I want to order a castle piece by piece and build it. 
It's like Legos. Absolutely. Or Playmobil. <laughs> Goss is wondering what, what a castle is doing here, and Conan guesses that some guy full of cash bought a foreign castle and would build it stone by stone here. That winds up being correct, by the way. Score one for Conan. Obviously. <laughs> Kenta tries to climb the fence, and he, somehow he's able to cl- jump over it, which I thought was very unrealistic, seeing how he's such a large boy. But uh, he does it. I mean, he's got the muscle power. Maybe Genta's an athlete and we just didn't know it. He's installed by Katsuya Tabata, who's the gardener for the castle. He asks what they're doing, and Agasa explains the situation and asks if he could take a look inside, but he's told to go home. So what do you think about Tabata first? He's kind of being a dick here. Oh, I loved him. <laughs> I thought he was so good. I, I, I wanted more of Tabata in this episode. I love how he like holds on to Genta for a long while, like much longer than he really needed to, to the point that you could see Genta like out of frame, but it's like just the back of his sweater in Tabata's hand. I, I like this sequence. The owner Mitsura Mamiya appears, and he happily lets them in after he learns that Agasa is a scientist, and even offers them to stay the night. Tabata isn't sure if the female head of the house, Masuyo, will be happy with that, but Masuyo tells Tabata to say that Agasa is an old friend of his. Masuyo is sure that it'll be fine because of the state that his mother-in-law is in. We learn here that something must be wrong, she must be going to see now or something, as old people do. Yep, I would know. Aren't you younger than me? What does that mean for me? (laughs) Yeah, I am younger. Never mind. I didn't mean to make you feel bad. Damn. Um, The kids are amazed at how large the garden is, and they stumble upon a gigantic chessboard with statues for pieces. The gardener says that he's always kept the garden like this, as the previous master named Sadaki instructed it. It's revealed that Sadaki inherited it from the previous master who died 15 years ago. And it turns out that Mitsuru is the mistress's second husband, and that Sadaki died six years ago. However, the mistress died four years ago in a fire, and we're shown a damaged tower where she used to sleep. How bad was their marriage to where she had to <laughs> go sleep in a tower, like, a- apart from everybody else? Okay, this whole tower business reminded me of, you know, classic fairy tales, princess locked in a tower, kind of Rapunzel-esque. So, the whole, like, this whole picture of you know this guy built the castle piece by piece and then what he built a tower right next to it to keep his wife or whatnot i don't know it was just all in very odd well the tower was part of the castle it's not like he added it on it wasn't like a an extra construction was it attached i thought you actually had to like go outside of the castle no but i'm sure it was like i'm sure it was like, of the original design. I don't think it was, like, extra just for this. I think it was part of the castle that was brought over from wherever they purchased it in Europe, you know? Okay, maybe. It just seemed like they erected this tower, like, randomly, because I actually don't know what the original purpose would have been. I suppose they repurposed it for her bedroom, but, like, you're right. Like, how bad? Maybe it wasn't just her bedroom maybe it was like her little hobby place where she like hang out would hang out without the husband so it's her like her sex den what are you what are you saying <laughs> her, her woman cave oh god <laughs> the gardener tabata then explains that she had just returned to celebrate her mother's birthday she arrived at midnight and before dawn the fire had already taken over the tower we learn that several friends and the staff that served her mother also died in the fire as well, and that the only ones that survived were newly hired like Tabata, her mother who was in another room with a cold, Masuyo, and Sadaki's only son, Takahito, who only arrived there a few days prior to being abroad for school. So uh, a lot of people died here, Colleen, in a, in a horrific fire. Yeah, it's uh, not really, you know, a nice cheerful start to this castle tour it's also surprising that the family would be just so open with these strangers they're like talking about their past as if it were nothing it's also strange that you would keep living there if you're that wealthy like maybe just sell the castle and go somewhere that isn't a uh, is haunted yeah so that 
definitely leads us into you know questioning why are these people still hanging around here and uh i also found it very strange that only the people that had like known the castle for years died that moment it's only the people that had like a long connection all the new hires were spared somehow so that was very interesting too i was like huh that has to be a clue coincidence i think not Tabata says it was the first time that they had seen Takahito in Mitsuru, who had been living abroad with the mistress prior to that. He says that ever since the fire, Takahito has lived there with them for some reason, and Tabata says that he has a feeling that he's obsessed with something. Hmm. Hmm. What could that be? Yeah, did you have any early suspicions on anybody here? Uh, no, not really. Um, I was just... At this point, I was just trying to keep it straight who was who in this family, like, because there was just so many references to, you know, mistresses and mother and who was this person's husband. So I was kind of trying to figure that out at this point. Yeah, it's very confusing at first because we don't really, they don't really go hard on the names that much. And it's a lot of mistress and master. And then they refer to like three different men as master throughout this early portion. So it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, because usually we get to see the character and you get like their little title title card and whatnot. But here, everyone that they're talking about is dead. So unless they show us a flashback, we have no idea what these people look like. Gasa asked if they were accepted into the castle as nobody knew their face. But Tabata says the mistress had sent photos when she got remarried so they knew what Mitsuru looked like. As for Takahito, he's the spitting image of his grandfather, who we're shown a painting of. Other paintings show Sadaki and a younger Masuyo, and we learn that Sadaki married into the family. The gardener then says that he had respect for the owner before him, as they were both historians. However, Masuyo was jealous and always criticized him. Uh, to speak of the devil, she then appears in a wheelchair, and she says that her father was just an argumentative egghead who did nothing but complain. The feisty 83-year-old then says that her father should have been angered by her wards, but was just happy to see that she was being honest instead. What do you think about this old woman calling her dead father an egghead? Um, there's something really entertaining about uh older people being, you know, feisty and, yeah. uh, just, <laughs> like, I don't know, I thought it was comical, but then she got into, like, a little bit of sort of the senileness and then you realize okay maybe not everything is as it seems here yeah so the gardener apologizes for bringing back bad memories and matsuyo says that she's gotten used to him not being in the castle and that it's like when they change the size of the passport or the faces on the bills it's odd at first but with time you come to understand that everything changes she says that time is a terrible thing, but it erases both happy and sad times. She then asks who the guests are, and Tabata introduces Agasa as a scientist friend of Mitsuru. She says that's interesting, and that maybe he can uncover the mystery that is hidden in this castle. In the Master's Will, it was said that he would leave his greatest treasure to the first one that solved the mystery of this castle. This is quite interesting now. Now we know that there is a giant mystery here, and that people have a reason for being here. They're trying to figure out this mystery. Mm-hmm. That's right. And did you get a feeling like that this was going to actually be a legit great treasure, like gold, diamonds kind of thing? Or did you feel like there was a twist? There usually is a twist with Conan, so I don't think it would be something you could easily... I don't think it was just going to be like the super expensive like piece of jewelry or anything, but I wasn't sure what it was. Mm-hmm. Masuya then asks if her daughter is here yet, as she was supposed to be here to celebrate her birthday before wailing away. Gardner then explains that she's been a bit senile after the fire, and Agasa guesses that it's post-traumatic shock. You know, I like how he's like, ah, oh, she's a bit senile. You know, just a little bit. Mm. Yeah, poor. Just constantly asks about her dead daughter. Yeah, poor her. Eh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. Conan then asks if there's any room where they can see the entire chessboard outside, and has brought the one. Conan takes note of the location of the pieces, and Hibera notes that he's happy right now as it's one of those codes you love so much. So this is a little, a cute little scene between High Bear and Conan. She notices how giddy he is when he gets to, you know, solve a case. Kind of like watching uh, Colleen watch a Detective Conan episode. She's in her element and just taking it all in. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I do get giddy. 
Conan can't deny it, but the conversation is interrupted by Ayumi yelling at Ginta and Mitsuhiko as Ginta has nearly fallen out of the window, which is quite the funny scene. Conan rushes to the other side, but Ginta makes it back, although he does fall into the floor, so we do get to see him plop on his head and fall, which is pretty funny. What do you think of uh, Ginta's near-death experience? Oh, I mean, that's what I'm here for. Anytime Genta is involved, I need to see him um, experiencing a near-death experience or either uh, plopping on the floor. Like, that's what I'm here for. Kenan then notices that the windows are right next to the wall in each room and wonders what is between the two windows since they're spaced out. He knocks on the wall to find a hollow point and he spots a clock above it. He matches the clock's hands and is brought into a secret room, although both Genta and Mitsuhiko miss this happening. I don't know how they miss this. Like, what's so distracted about these two doofuses? <laughs> Do they miss Conan? It's not like Conan was being, like, normal. He got a chair, he got, like, a stack of books on the chair, and he was messing with this clock. Like, yeah, he had to know something was up. I think these two need to uh, maybe get their detective voice titles taken away because they didn't notice... Something so obvious as that? Conan says this isn't a normal castle and that it's getting interesting as he finds a staircase that goes down. He then finds a dead body with long hair at the very bottom. And that's when we see a shadowy figure strike Conan with a brick. So uh, things aren't going too well for your boy Shinichi. <laughs> no, they're not. And they're not going well for me either because for the next rest of this episode and for the majority of the next one, we're not going to see him at all. <laughs> So, uh, after seeing this first uh, kidnapping here, did you uh, have any guesses as to who was the culprit? Uh, I think I was leaning mostly toward Mitsuru as like the, the second husband. I think that's where I was going. But then they started sort of throwing out these red herrings in that, you know, they were giving him like really creepy vibes. And I was like, okay, maybe that's too obvious. Maybe it's not him after all. But at this point, uh, I was thinking it's uh, Mitsuru. Yeah, I had it correctly figured out, but it's hard to say if that was me being smart or me just remembering the twist. You know, <laughs> right? It's it's once you've seen these episodes, you kind of just like remember bits and pieces, and you're kind of able to put things together. So it's hard to understand exactly where I was, you know, like putting everything together. But I kind of I think because of the longer hair on the dead body, I was like, okay, so that's a female. And if you're storing a dead female and it was probably from the fire, then it would have to be a certain person, probably. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to figure that out. Plus, women, always guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Like, why are we even discussing this? Um, But it's interesting you talk about, like, remembering twists. So I remembered the twist about... uh, some of this episode but not the actual culprit like i thought the culprit was there was something else going on there but we can talk about that later so the detective boys wonder where conan is and high bear notices that the chair fell down and that the books are scattered across the floor and the clock's lid is open she puts it together and is about to enter the secret location herself when takahito appears tells the kids not to do bad things well that's all they do so sorry takahito (laughs) So this is definitely the first time where it's like, huh, Takahito is kind of suspicious. He appears right after the shadowy figure trying to block the entrance. So, Yeah, I, I never I never pegged him as the culprit, though. Gasa then appears and is told that Conan disappeared, so the adults go to check the bathroom downstairs. He's obviously, he's just peeing. I mean, that's what Conan does. He's always talking about going to the bathroom. Conan is nowhere to be found, and Genta wonders if Conan is just hiding somewhere waiting to scare them. Mitsuhiko agrees, saying that Conan can be so childish. Agasa's <laughs> like, you guys are ch- children too, you know? Yeah. Takahita says that he's had dinner prepared for the guests and says that Conan will come out when he's hungry. The kids are treated to a feast and Mitsuru remarks that it's nice to see the castle so cheery for a change. Agasa asks why they both moved in after the fire. Takahito says that he had long planned to move there after university. Mitsuru was worried about his mother-in-law and has grown to love the castle that his wife was born in. Masuya then interrupts and says that what Mitsuru likes isn't the castle, but the treasure hidden within it. Mitsuru says that he can't deny that. His father-in-law's will does influence him being here, and Masuyo can't believe that her daughter found love with such a greedy man. 
then goes to eat in her room in disgust and says to send her daughter to her room when she arrives. So she's still being quite senile here. What'd you think about uh, Mitsuru opening up about he's in it for the money, baby? Um, I mean, uh, honesty is always uh, well looked at, I suppose. Um, I didn't. Yeah. I think so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I didn't really mind it all that much. Like, none of these characters were particularly likable to me, except for maybe the gardener. So, him being greedy and wanting the treasure, I was just like, okay. <laughs> Mitsuru says that Matsuyo hasn't left the castle since she broke her legs ten years ago, and that her memory is likely bad. He then asks Agasa if he's figured out the mystery of the castle. Gasa isn't sure where to start, but Hybera says that the chess pieces in the garden were arranged by the same person who hid the treasure and are likely a hint. However, she can't solve it, and the only person that could is currently lost in the castle somewhere. I do like a uh, part of this episode. Uh, it's largely Hybera as the detective. Yeah. Like, this, this is one of the first episodes that really has her leading in Conan's absence, and I think that's a really fun dynamic. I, I want to get your thoughts here, because... You've been trying to put your own self-hatred onto Hybera here <laughs> for the past couple episodes, but what do you think of her having a more leading role? Yeah, um, so for me, whenever I uh, look at whatever Hybera does or the lines that she gets in these episodes, I always wonder, okay, is that something that Conan would have said or done anyways if she wasn't around? And I feel like that's the case most of the time, including this time. So it's almost like... At least the I felt that the whole purpose of this episode was to uh, kind of show how Hybera is on a level playing field with Conan in terms of intelligence and kind of bring her, uh, like, I guess, let the fans get to know her a little bit more. And the only way to do that, it seemed, was to have Conan absent for most of the episode. So in a way, like, if they were both there, Conan would probably do much of what she did during this episode so i don't know if i'm making myself clear but my point is that um having hybera do most of it while conan's not there i think just you know tries what's trying to do is to have us as the audience get to know her a little bit more and um see her as the protagonist in a way as well even though she's not the um actual detective of the show if you will like we don't even there's a lot of there are a lot of detectives in the show, and I don't know if Hybera is traditionally considered one of them. She's considered definitely as one of the more um, clever people and like one of the more analytical people, but I don't think she's in the camp of detectives like Conan and Heiji and um, some of the other ones are. Yeah, she might not be a, a detective, but she's definitely capable enough to hold her own, you know, in these type of situations and. We learn later on that she's very uh, intelligent in other ways, and we'll see that she has some top-notch computer skills and stuff like that as the series progresses. But I I thought this did a really good job of just, you know, putting her in the spotlight, showing that she can lead the detective boys, and uh, I didn't miss Conan too much. (laughs) I did. (laughs) A maid then brings a plastic bag for Ayumi, who's saving a piece of bread for Conan as she's sure he'll be hungry. Gasa then says that they'll look for Conan after dinner, and Takahito says that the castle's like a maze. Mitsuro then chimes in, saying that he hopes he didn't end up in that tower. He explains that two years ago, an employee mysteriously vanished one night, and they had found traces of somebody in the tower recently, but he wasn't there. Ten days later, he was found dead in the nearby woods by the police. Mitsuru isn't sure what happened, and the police concluded that he just got lost in the woods. However, the staff had a rumor that those that died in the tower had possessed him. Very creepy. Yeah. This, uh, like, I feel like the, the creepy factor is building up throughout this episode. We're going to get a, like, the conclusion of part one is is uh, pretty intense in my view. The entrance to the tower has been sealed ever since, and that worries the children who all decide to save their bread for Conan. Everybody splits up to look for him, but they can't find him anywhere. Agasa mentions the tower, but is told that the door is still locked. It's raining and the woods are dangerous at night, so they say that they should have the police search for him tomorrow morning. Ayumi screams out for Conan, but Hybera tells her not to worry. He's not a weak man, she says. 
He can find a way out of wherever he is instead of crying. How about you tie that bag so the bread doesn't get wet from the rain? It's nice to see her comforting Ayumi and also kind of comforting Colleen here as she was probably worried that Kenny would never appear in the podcast again <laughs> and would never appear in this series. But she reassures you that he's not a weak man, Colleen. Well, that's the first correct thing that she's got. Then I'll go back inside and Ayumi asks how Hibera knows Conan so well already. Could it be that you like Conan? Ayumi and Colleen ask. And Hibera <laughs> says, what if I do? And then tells Ayumi not to worry as she doesn't see him that way. Okay. Can we pause here for a second? Because, um, so I have mentioned before that I haven't gone through a lot of the series. I'm maybe halfway through, but, um, there is a point when people start shipping Hibera and Conan, right? Or Hibera and Shinichi. Yeah. Okay. So for someone who's like you, who's probably at that point where there have been episodes where that might suggest that kind of relationship, did this, like, was this kind of funny to you as a reference? Because Hibera's kind of foreshadowing what hap- might happen, you know, later on in the series? Uh... Not really. I, I, I think mainly she's trying to comfort Ayumi, and even then I don't take it as her, like, I also, I also don't think, I think she's being honest here, too. I don't think she's particularly interested in Conan at this moment, and who's to say if she'll be interested later on? It might just be a fan thing. So we'll see uh, how it evolves over time, and if uh, maybe Ron gets a run for her money, we'll find out. <laughs> Or uh, what's her face? Uh, who's the girl? Or that what's usually... her face? You know. <laughs> oh, Suzu. Yeah. Suzu. I will say I would put Hibera above Suzu in my oh, ultimate. Oh, poor Suzu. Conan should hook up with Rates, but she's still above Ron. Suzu's the number one queen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget that. Gasa then privately chats with Hibara and says that Shinichi is probably alright since no news is good news. And Hibara is surprised that he bought what she told the kids and says that Shinichi wouldn't go so long without contacting them. She says that something happened and he might have been kidnapped in the castle without a way out or is even dead. And Colleen was probably screaming at the at the computer screen, No, he's still alive. Don't you he say that? can't be dead. The show's called Detective Conan, not Detective Hibara. <laughs> Hibera then says that they have to call the police without the owners of the castle finding out, and they continue to investigate inside the castle. We then see a shadowy figure overhearing the conversation. After Agasa spots a phone, the person throws Shinichi's cap on the ground. As Agasa investigates it, he sees a hidden door open, and he goes inside before being attacked with a long object that shatters his glasses and knocks him out. And the episode ends as Hibera is left searching for Agasa as the door closes, so, uh... We're just seeing these the group get hit one by one and taken out here, Colleen. Yeah. It's very uh, chilling. Absolutely. Like, the end of part one had me, you know, gripping, waiting to see what happened next. Like, this was probably one of the mo- more impactful endings of an episode uh, in a while that I that I can remember. Yeah, I thought it was really strong. I thought they really put up the suspense. And uh, this episode works perfectly as a two-parter. You know, there's been some episodes where, like, stuff kind of dragged or the ending of one episode was, like, 80% uh, just talking over the solution. I thought this was perfectly paced as a two-parter. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, And I think I've mentioned before uh, in our conversations how a lot of the Detective Boys episodes, I don't really feel a sense of danger because, you know, they're kids. And even, like... The ones, the kidnapping cases or the cases where there's actually like guns and things involved. I always feel like, okay, they're going to make it out somehow. Uh, primarily because Conan's around to sort of use his inventions, like his shoes or whatnot, to save the day. But here, you you ain't got Conan. Agas is out now. So the danger level is right up there for me. So I was kind of getting worried for our detective boys. So the hint going into the next episode is Passport, which I think is a really, really strong hint here, um, which can help somebody figure out the twist. So good on them. A lot better than Chassport. <laughs> yeah. The superior of the hints. <laughs> uh, so episode 137, the Old Blue Castle Investigation Case Part 2. 
Conan says, the Doc and I are in big trouble. The detective boy is in a treasure that vanished. Well, yeah, you, how are you even saying this, Conan? You're supposed to be kidnapped. Yeah, I thought it was... Uh, so, I'm not sure if Conan did the recap as well. I think he did, but, you know, just the fact that he used the first person to recap everything when he wasn't there for most... Like, he was kind of quote-unquote kidnapped i i don't know it was a really interesting touch Hibara calls the police on behalf of shinichi kudo and asks to speak with inspector megari just when mitsuru appears and asks if she's calling a friend she says that she was doing something like that and then she hangs up on megari who's like <laughs> hello hello yeah you can totally hear him talking through the receiver <laughs> yeah it was very funny she then rejoins the rest of the detective boys who ask where Agasa is. She says, who knows, and then says that he might be trying to find this castle's treasure. The detective boys then all go to sleep, and Hibera notices that Agasa still hasn't returned. She figures something has happened to him and leaves the room to investigate. She spots somebody following her and confronts them, but it winds up being the detective boys. They say that they're worried about Conan as well and want to help investigate. Hibera says that's fine, but if they get murdered... She doesn't know anything. <laughs> How can you not like her? This oh, is... she's so lovely. She's great. The ideal uh, woman turned child. <laughs> <laughs> the kids then run off and we see an actual shadowy figure behind them. So once again, they do very well of keeping the tension up. Yep. Hybera enters the room that Conan disappeared in and adjusts the clock to open the door. Kids go down the passageway, and the kids all use a flashlight watch that Agasa gave them to light the way. So that's our new invention of the week. Yay! Of the week. <laughs> I don't think we had a new invention for a while. I know. It was it was nice for a while. They'd have, like, the sushi fax machine. We'd have a different one almost every week. I hope yeah. they... I hope at some point they ratchet up the inventions again. Like, maybe, maybe the newer episodes, they're just like, well, we got nothing else to do. Let's just make a bunch of wacky inventions. I think after Agasa's failed attempt at the robot Prey Mantis, that just sort of like destroyed his hopes and dreams, so he'd stopped inventing stuff for a little while. Hybera spots recent blood on the steps and says that it could be Conan's. Natsuhiko then finds something written into the steps that says, That person trapped me here is trying to sell the castle's treasure. And then it trails off. Hybera says that that the writing looks old, and since it was unfinished, the person was killed before they could finish it. Hibera says that Conan likely found the body and was then attacked from behind. Genta then spots Agasa's bloody and broken glasses on the ground. The kids then exit where Agasa entered by the phone, but Genta is stuck inside and is confronted by a shadowy figure. The kids try to re-enter the room, but it's been locked, and Hibera says that they were followed and that they likely got Genta. Oh no. Our, pay, our poor large boy has gotten kidnapped. Our comic relief. Yeah, so we're down to just three kids now. So half of the squad is gone now. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, okay, looking at the odds, who do we have left? Mitsuhiko, who kind of sort of knows stuff from books, I suppose. Ayumi, who still has Conan's bread. So it looks like Haibara is the leader here. Oh, she's always... Who do you think was the leader? Even when Agasa was still there, High Bear was the leader. <laughs> Don't try to act like she's not leader material. Moving on. While searching for another entryway, the kids enter Takahito's workshop full of paintings and statues. Ayumi knocks over a bunch of old newspapers, and High Bear spots an article on the fire from four years ago. Mitsuhiko notices Conan's glasses outside the door and goes to retrieve them. However, Hibera says that 15 people died in the fire after being burned to ashes. The victims were identified by the objects that they were carrying, and that one person was still missing. So Hibera says that means that somebody could be pretending to be another. So, uh, where were you on the whodunit scale here? Oh yeah, I had shifted to the, uh, the old lady. <laughs> Ayumi notices that Mitsuhiko is gone, and they see an open door at the end of the hallway he must have gone through. Hibera says that the door is supposed to be locked as it leads to the burned tower. Hibera goes inside to look and tells Ayumi to hide in the bushes as it might be a trap. Ayumi is told to count to 300, 
and if Hibera isn't out by then, she should run away and take the road through the forest. Alright, so I feel like Ayumi does the worst thing possible here, because she counts aloud. She's not, like, counting in her head. <laughs> She's, like, making a lot of noise and not doing a good job hiding. It's because it's, like, two bushes and she's in, like, the open space between them. <laughs> she And she might as well just be saying, I'm here, like, by counting aloud. Ayumi eventually reaches 300 and opens the door, calling out the Hibera. She enters the room and remembers Hibera's orders, but refuses to leave her friends behind. I like this moment showing a lot of resolve for Ayumi. She puts her friends and others over the well-being for herself. She's not going to be selfish like that. I thought that said a lot about her strong character. See, see, I looked at it from a different perspective. I thought she should have run away to go get help. Granted, they were goodness knows where like Megary wasn't around probably but she could have gone to like the nearest house or village or whatever and tried to get help she's not smart Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> but she has resolve yeah and i think that's more important here so ayumi uses her light to walk up the tower and we see a i'm sorry is hybera figure... figuring out this case because with her resolve i don't think so he's she's using her smarts <laughs> Her smarts and her resolve. Come on. <laughs> Hibera just has it all, apparently, right? Well, if you were a coward, you wouldn't have dealt with this spooky shit, and you would have been like, eh, I'm just staying out of this shit. <laughs> well, we saw, well, Agasa gave it the good old college try. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ayumi uses her light to walk up the tower, and we see a shadow figure appear from the hidden hatch below. Hibera locks the bathroom door by accident, but then sees that somebody is trying to enter. She's about to unlock it, thinking it's Hibera, but she then sees how forceful the person is being and realizes it's the kidnapper. God, she's stupid. <laughs> like I was saying. <laughs> like, like, this door is, like, jamming, trying to, like, jar open. She's like, oh, it must be Hibera. Okay. Must Hi. Be. <laughs> oh, poor Ayumi. It's a good thing that she's cute. The door is broken, but Ayumi is nowhere to be found. We then see Hibera and Ayumi hiding on the other side of a hidden passageway, and Hibera throws a rock to distract the kidnapper. Hibera yells at Ayumi and says that she would have been killed if she wasn't there. She then tells Ayumi to wash her tears and that they'll find everybody. Hibera asks Ayumi what happened to the kids' detective boy badges, but Ayumi says that they ran out of batteries and they gave them all to Agasa to replace. They then spot a skeleton with long hair, and Hybera says it was placed there recently, despite being an older skeleton. She says that this was likely the person that wrote the message in the stairway. Hybera then notices that the leg bones are extremely thin, and that the teeth are worn out, so that means the killer is pretending to be the grandmother, Masuyo. So, uh, how about that, Colleen? The old lady might not actually be old. Creepy. Yeah, so at this point, um, you know, things were flooding back to me. I was remembering the case. Uh, I had already f remembered part of the twist being with the treasure. But at this point, I thought that um, the old lady, like, and I might have been getting it confused with another case where maybe something similar like this happens. But I thought it was, was like a guy pretending to be the old lady. And I like I thought it was just sort of like makeup and wig and a wig going on um here so um yeah i i mean obviously i was wrong but <laughs> i'm just saying like i still wasn't fully aware of the disguise if you will there's a hattori case that kind of has somebody pretending to be an old lady too okay so. yeah that might be the one i'm thinking of then actually no it's not because that, i i think i know which one you're talking about yeah uh, the old lady then approaches them and asks where their friends are, and Ayumi just really, I told you, she's really dumb. Uh, she, she's like, oh, hey, uh, this bad person kidnapped our friends, and then Hibera <laughs> just grabs her, and they run off, and she's like, you idiot, that old lady's the killer. Hibera <laughs> explains that they must have got plastic surgery to look like an old lady and pretended to have bad memory in order to fool everybody. She also killed everybody in the fire that would have been able to expose her, so. It's a pretty smart plan, though. You know, like, it does work to have like the bad memory, and then people can't be like, "Oh, you're not." Why doesn't grandmother remember this? I'm just like, "Bitch, I'm senile." You know? Yeah. No, it's a it's a really good cover. Um, so in terms of like the, the 
like kudos to the culprit for planning this out, I suppose. I mean, the lengths that they went to to pull this off was pretty extreme, but uh, it does uh, does um, make for a very good cover. The kids go back to the mansion, but Highbearer's leg is grabbed by the person pretending to be Matsuyo. She then comes clean and says that the actual grandmother figured out that they were looking for the treasure, so she got rid of her and took her place instead. She then tells the kids not to worry as she won't lock them in the dark basement like she did with the grandmother, as she'll drop them off in the forest with their friends in a few days, and the murderer says that they'll be found with pale cheeks and goes to swing her bat at them when a can knocks it out of her hands. And that's when the cool guy, Conan, appears fashionably late, but very cool. Oh, you know, when I saw that can, I was like, oh, Conan's here. He says, putting kids on a forced diet is wrong. <laughs> okay, this, the uh, next few lines delivered by all the detective boys, I thought were just odd. <laughs> yeah, Genta and Mitsuhika defend Ayumi's honor. They say, she's just fine the way she is. <laughs> She doesn't need to be on a diet. I'm like, guys, you're missing the point here. <laughs> the kidnapper is shocked that they're there, and Conan says that Misahiko used Conan's glasses to follow the transmitter inside the detective badges that Agasa had on him and found them. First off, good on them for explaining the possible plot hole about the detective badges, and also using it in a smart way of like fulfilling the plot. So like, it didn't. At first, I was like, "Okay, so that's kind of convenient that they didn't have their badges." But then it even factored into the ending, so I, I thought that was really clever. No, that was definitely a nice touch because, as you said, um, most of the time when we get that kind of excuse, it's like just a throwaway line saying, "Oh yeah, our badges don't work," and we're like, "Okay, well, I guess that's why you can't do half of the stuff that you would normally be able to do if you had the badges." But you're right. I I think that uh, actually giving that a purpose uh really worked well gasa tells the killer that there's no use running as he knows that she's the missing housekeeper with fusumi nishikawa he says that he asked the plastic surgeon if he knew anybody that wanted to look like an old lady and that the surgeon remembered the weird patient right away yeah i <laughs> imagine I making would. that request i know like, i i can't i i would assume that there aren't many people <laughs> making those requests Conan then says that even without the corpse, they knew that she was a fake as the grandmother hadn't left the castle in 10 years and wouldn't have known that the passports changed six years ago. So, boom. Wow. Gotcha. That was a very satisfying uh, resolve to the clue. Yeah, for sure. And the woman says that she knows the secret passageways, so she'll never get caught. <laughs> so, and Conan knows that too, so he's like, hey. I figured out the chess pieces hint. I bet you want to find this treasure. So he lures her in here, and he says that the white pieces actually spell out Egghead, and that points towards the castle's former owner. The painting of him and the black pieces indicate that you should turn the painting to the right. She does exactly what Conan suggests, and then a passageway appears. I also love that they've been in this thing alone for, like, what, four or six years, and she never thought to just turn this painting to the side. Yeah, you'd think that she would have, like, checked every nook and cranny of that castle, overturned statues and turned paintings and whatnot, but I guess not. Yeah, she's really bad. So she climbs up the ladder, having finally found the treasure, and opens a door, only to find a window looking outside. And Kenneth says that the treasure explained on the door. She finds an inscription that says, I offer this wonderful view of the castle to the first person to arrive here. Yeah, it's just a nice view. <laughs> <laughs> the woman is in disbelief. She says, I killed dozens of people for something like this. I changed my face to an ugly old lady's for something like this. She falls to the ground and Ken says the police came an hour later and took her away. Having lost her soul, she was a pathetic figure who truly became an old lady. Ooh, harsh. It's kind of ageist. <laughs> yeah. What's so bad about being an old lady, Ken? Jeez. Just insulting Colleen here. <laughs> well, considering he's someone who, you know, became younger, you probably can't appreciate aging. Clearly. Uh, so what do you think about this twist, that it was just a nice view? Um, I mean, I, I knew that I w that's what was coming. Uh, 
So, I mean, I wasn't necessarily surprised. I was more, I guess, looking forward to the culprit's reaction to it. And I can't even recall. I think, did the other characters also react? Because the gold digger, gold digging second husband, probably was also kind of uh, disappointed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, after the ending song, Mitsuru admits that he was disappointed with the treasure, but Takahita was glad that the killer had been caught. Turns out that the son was always suspicious about the fire and had been secretly investigating it. The passageways were a part of the castle's original construction, and the former owner made sure to rebuild them during the restoration, since he was a historian. He just never knew it would be used to kill, like, his daughter. Jesus. Yeah, what a, what a, what irony. Or I guess his granddaughter. Um, No, wait, his daughter, yeah. Yeah, wait, yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) This family (laughs) tree. See what I mean? The family tree is messed up. The next morning, the detective boys talk about how exciting the castle was, and Agas is like, yeah, me and Kenan were, were attacked. You shouldn't be that cheerful. And I love how Agasa's like one of one side of his glasses is totally like fogged up, and there's like a bandage over it. And I don't know, he just looks really beat up. He's had a rough day. He's not used to this. The gardener then informs him that breakfast is ready and says that Conan is likely hungry since he didn't eat. However, Kenan says he's all right as he has food for camping and says Ayumi saved bread for him. However, Hibera is like, hey. If you're inviting us in, I'll have the free breakfast. And uh, Genta also agrees, and Conan's just very bemused at the situation. He just wants to exit, but they're going to enjoy that free meal, as they should. See, I, Hibera doesn't take things for granted, so when she gets offered a tremendous free breakfast, she takes it up for it. And that's the sign of a true woman. I also enjoy that in this moment they are equating Hibera to Genta. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. No. So what'd you think about this two-parter overall, Colleen? Oh, geez. Okay, well, the second part. So what the first part was building up to really came out in the second part for me. And this was probably one of the scariest uh, episodes I've seen in a long while. So much so that I think my overall impression of this two-parter is that whilst it was what I would... I think it was a strong... Uh, two-parter i don't know if i would really want to watch it again anytime soon like i don't know if the my enjoyment level was on par with some of the other episodes um not to say that the case wasn't you know interesting or whatnot it actually was um it wasn't at all what one would expect of the episode i didn't think like we're kind of promised at the beginning that it's going to be kind of like a treasure hunt and there's a code involved, but that just gets flipped on its head and all these kids start disappearing sort of like Agatha Christie style. And in the end, the code is very much like a one line sort of resolution at the end. Like it's very info dumpy at the end a little bit. I didn't mind it too much because we need to tie those loose knots quite quickly. But most of the episode was kind of just that like mystery of who this person is that's like taking away all the kids basically so it's it's really um not what you would expect from the first few minutes of the episode i think that um the progression was very interesting the pacing was great but whether i can say that i liked this episode i don't know if i can say that like i i thought it was strong I mean, Hibera Wait, was... Is it just because Hibera's in it? Are you trying to pretend that she's that bad of a character? Come on, Colleen. No, I'm not pretending. Like, she's not that oh. great. I mean, it, it, wow. it didn't help that Conan showed up in the last five minutes of the second part. Like, it didn't help me at all. But uh, no, for me, it was more of the the element, like that whole sequence where um, Hibera and Ayumi are in the passageways and they're being chased by the woman. That freaked me out so much. Like all of the the way that the woman was like animated, sort of the facial expressions, her running, and there's like the background of the tower burning. Like everything was super scary. <laughs> so I mean, I'll watch this episode again sometime in the future, but. Just not tomorrow, let's say. So I think you're just spooked. 
maybe I am a little spooked. It, it got me a little uh, creeped out. Yeah. I thought this was a, a great two-parter. I thought it took advantage of being two parts. I thought it circumvented so many like norms of canon. I loved how, you know, apart from just you know getting to spend more time with Hybera, I really enjoyed having a different character figuring out stuff and getting away from canon for a little bit, even if it was just for like an episode and a quarter. Like I thought that was really refreshing to see stuff from another um perspective and then we get Conan gets the chance to save the day of course and uh deliver some really cool one liners about <laughs> children's diets. Really awesome guy. Um but I, I thought the twist was great, both the view and the fact that it was the old lady. I think that's something you don't really expect on the first time you watch it and it's kinda hard to give my feelings towards that perspective here. Um, just because this is a rewatch podcast and I've seen this before, but, you know, I think that's really a fantastic, uh, twist. I think that's a really, really strong twist with, and everything makes sense. Uh, they don't really, you know, everything's logical here. Just like I mentioned before about how they didn't have the detective badges and that coming up. There's nothing that seems out of place with, uh, this whole story. And they mentioned everybody really didn't know the grandmother. So, like, it makes sense that they wouldn't be able to spot her lies and that she targeted all the people that had been at the castle for years. So, like, everything works out. It told a really compelling story. I thought it was a really great two-parter. I thought this was really solid. But did you not think it was a travesty that at the end, my man Tabata had no screen time? Well, he offers them, uh... The breakfast? He offers them breakfast, yeah. (laughs) What else is he gonna do? I don't know. They could have added some more stuff with him. <laughs> I agree he's a good character, but I feel like they were so far, unless he wound up being the murderer, there wasn't really a place for him. No, it's true. I'm just messing uh, with you. Next week, we'll be going over another two-parter. Hopefully, it's just as good. It's the final screening murder case, part one and part two. So, we'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, case underscore case yeah case <laughs> underscore reopened sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you can follow me at tyler trees uh if you're on itunes or apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate if you leave a review uh the podcast is around everywhere though you can find us on spotify google podcast deezer pocket cast tune in overcast iHeartRadio, whatever you want you can find us there uh so yeah just not traditional radio (laughs) yeah we're not that cool yet (laughs) not that uh but yeah that'll do it for this part uh colleen any do you remember anything about the final screening murder case um i don't think so i'm looking at sort of the images associated to it right now like the wiki entry and uh, yeah yeah, it's not looking familiar to me so i'm uh, looking forward to oh a character's introduced oh. next week, though. I just realized. Oh, yeah. I know who's introduced. So we get the, a new character next week that I will have fun talking about. I remember I looked at this uh, like a week ago. So be on the lookout for that. So new character next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. And remember, when truth always prevails. <laughs>